Philadelphia. Are you ready? <laughs> this is Brotherly Love Wrestling Podcast. Your first stop for everything professional wrestling. So sit back and enjoy wrestling talk at its finest with your hosts, Larry Hall and Joe Corrado. Welcome everybody to Brotherly Love Wrestling. And our guest today is a WWE inaugural cruiserweight champion, a two-time X Division Impact champion. And even though he called our city a shithole, we still have him on the show. We have TJ Perkins with us today. TJ, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, it, Philly's a very classic wrestling town, you know. That's right. I, uh, you, you, not too many towns you can say that about and uh, have them respond in a uh, lively, <laughs> atmospheric sort of way. But uh, yeah. Philly's buttons are easily, easily pushed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of feel like that's like the, when you go to those, like a hotel in the ele- or like an airport and the elevator button is just sunken in all the way from, it's just permanently pushed in. That might be the, the, the rhythm of Philly passion ready to throw down at any moment. Are you saying we're always wound up? <laughs> you, you guys are always ready to go. I can't fault you for how, uh, how, um, uh, not uh, defensive isn't the right thing because that's negative like you guys are you guys have so much pride there's not a lot of cities have that type of pride you know um and i I think that's really what it comes down to as far as that goes but yeah you guys are always ready to throw i I like it (laughs) it's funny because what used to be like one of the meccas of independent wrestling kind of fell off over the years and it's not what it used to be because we were spoiled back in the day and then kind of almost lost everything every home home the independent promotion we've ever had and we kind of like fell off as like the best and rowdy fans well you know a unique byproduct of the uh coming out of the pandemic now is that because philly is able to you know open up and house shows in that way like the arena is becoming like super popular now as a venue um like more so than it has been, I think, in recent years, or at least uh, it gets a little bit more magnification because a lot of shows can't find venues. So now so many do the arena and now it's got this resurgence of being this classical wrestling town again. So, you know, I think maybe the magic will be restored uh, as we start coming out of the, the pandemic. So, I mean, that that's great news for us because I mean, that is the it's history. It's Philadelphia history. Now, MLW and ROH recently have just both run shows there. And from what I understand, I mean, we were at the ROH shows. We missed the MLW show, but mm-hmm. we heard that the crowd was fire and it, it was what it was supposed to be. Yeah, the last two, you know, I think MLW had two in a row there. And I was at both and they, they were both great. Uh, New Japan just had two events there back to back days. Uh, that was yep. great, too. Um, I mean, yeah, it's 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 a great atmosphere. I think that that fans are eager to flock to uh, to live events now whenever they can get it. And I think now, like funneling everybody back into that classic venue 
is a you know sort of a um uh an unintentional gem from from all of this like getting people back into live events yeah it's it was a, a curse and now a blessing i guess because yeah yeah more people seem to have work too and you're able to it's easily accessible everywhere yeah yeah i agree now, I wanted to touch on something you, you spoke about, MLW and uh, New Japan. I wanted to talk about after your release from WWE, like what was what was your mindset like right after that? Like, is the, did you were you put a, put down with a 90 day no compete? Yeah, I, I had 90 days. Uh, they let me go early because it was pretty amicable. Um and I also knew what I was getting into when I was released. It was something I was asking for. Like I didn't get released like out of the blue. Like I didn't just get cut. And I was like, oh, what, you know, what did I do wrong? That sort of thing. I had been asking for a year. I wanted to leave. Um, so prior to that, I had been trying to kind of figure out what would increase my value in the company and stay. So it was kind of a year of me talking to like Vince and talent relations and saying, um, I, I, I'm not really happy. I feel like I'm wasting your money. I don't feel like I'm a good commodity for you. You got a lot of guys that can do what I do. And there's things that I can offer you that we're not doing. And it doesn't hurt my feelings if you don't want to do different stuff with me. Uh, but if you don't want to, then I'm, I'm ready to, to, to move on, you know, but I don't believe in quitting. So, you know, I said, well, you know, what can I do better for you? you know, so that we, I don't just, <laughs> I don't just be one of those like jaded, angry, um, you know, performers that put out cryptic tweets and like, you know, like then when they do get released, they have this, you know, they, they act like it's this big celebration, like, oh, now's, now's my time. You know, like I didn't, I, I'm not about that. So I just was like, you know, I don't believe in quitting. How can I do better? And we just, you know, we spent a year trying to figure, figure out a different, different um, direction for me. And, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a television show and they got a lot of guys and they know already who they're invested in. They know that years in advance. And so, you know, I understood the scenario. They couldn't, there wasn't really much shuffling they could do. So I was prepared when, when, um, when they were like, okay, well, we're going to let you go and spread your wings. I, I kind of knew, okay. Yeah. I got 90 days. I knew where I wanted to go already. Like, you know, new Japan, we were ready to, to get started. We just didn't know what the timeline would be. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what it was. I was kind of new in advance what, where everything was going to go. Now, did you think after they have the cruiserweight classic and they, and they really look like they're going to start investing in the cruiserweights. Now, did you think that was going to be something that they were going to push forward with, or did you, did they kind of go back and forth with it a lot? You know, I don't know if the other guys knew about, like whatever the plans were but if, if it was anything like me and I'm I'm, I'm probably a bad barometer for that because I'm not I'm not I'm not like a neurotic performer like um like where I'm like super wound up in, in creative stuff like I don't always ask what I'm doing I don't really care what I'm doing to be honest I don't care if I <laughs> win or lose or whatever the story is I, I've always been like loyal soldier type like whatever you need me to do I'll make it work um so usually I don't know plans in advance, but I found out I didn't a I didn't find out that there were uh, that there was even a cruiserweight title. It literally until uh, Triple H pulled it out of the bag in front of me in the ring. So I found out when everybody else did. Just like <laughs> I didn't know he was coming to the ring. I just thought I was going to wrestle Grand Metalik and that was it. And and so when his music hit, 
everybody's reaction was my reaction. Like, oh, here, here we go. I don't know what this is. <laughs> um, and same thing with like the television show and everything. Like I didn't, you know, until they told us that, I think it was that night, like after, after the event was already over, they said, by the way, we're going to create this show and, you know, have different colors for the arena for you and everything. Um, so I don't know if everybody if the other guys knew in advance, but I, I only knew as of then, and I didn't know what to think. I mean, I just kind of went into it with a blank slate. I didn't really want, I wasn't planning on staying in WWE or anything. I wasn't under contract when I won. They didn't, I didn't sign a contract until after the first pay-per-view, whatever it was, the clash of the champions, I think was with uh, Spanky. I, I wasn't under contract until like that show. So like, you know, I didn't know if I was going to stay and I didn't know what the plans were. So I don't think a lot of guys, had an outlook like this is going to be a big thing or a small thing i think people just kind of took it one day at a time well i mean the best thing about it was and even after as soon as you stopped working for them like you said you wanted to go to new japan and you touched on it at the beginning is new japan was just in philly and that's where the shithole comment came from <laughs> from that show uh I, we do have a question um, from one of the fans that was there, a uh, friend of the show, his name's Scott. Yeah. And he said that the first night it was pure heat. The crowd hated you guys. Job well done. But then the second night there was groups that were supporting going against groups that were booing. And what was it like, like to have those two completely different atmospheres where one night you have everyone hating you and then the next night, I mean, now all of a sudden this group wants to, you know, I mean, be against everyone else just to support you guys. Uh, you guys, meaning uh, me and Will? Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's funny, like, uh, so New Japan had done a, a Northeast loop right before the pandemic. So, you know, a year and a half ago, whenever it was, two years ago, uh, we did Lowell, Massachusetts, uh, the Manhattan Center, and then we did the arena on the last day. And at that time, I was just, you know, a pure baby face for New Japan, just got out of WWE, did the Super J Cup. Um, so it's just me as me. And, um, and God, I mean, I couldn't have, I might as well have been a walking fireball in New York and Philly. I mean, it was, Boston was okay, but New York and Philly, wow, they really let me have it. Um, and for me as a performer, it's, that's fine. I, it didn't really, I, you know, the, you don't, we don't live in a time in work, you know, most of us where you're locked into certain roles. Like I, I didn't, I, having that atmosphere made it easier for me to wrestle Red Narita in New York, for example. Mm -hmm. And it helped him like get a pretty big match under his belt, like as, um, as a young lion pretty early on having that New York atmosphere because like he came into it such a heavy favorite. Like they really wanted him to win. And I could do, I love having that because I can do something with that and I can, I can help somebody else rise up, you know, in that way. Uh, and Philly, I guess the reason why I'm mentioning this, uh, Philly was, man, they were, it, that was a really, really, really hard crowd on me. Um, and uh, we laughed because now fast forward a couple years later and, uh, and in Dallas, not too long ago, me and will uh joined together and then in philly you know we continued and in the two cities it like <laughs> otherwise where i otherwise would have been like 
buried pretty heavily that it was now 50 50 and it was funny because like with the office and everybody they're like wow it's like when 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 we really need you to get to be uh booed heavily now half the people want to support you and buy your t-shirts and I'm, i said why <laughs> i was hoping night one was gonna i was hoping the way it was on night one would be both nights but i you know fans are they're smart, you know, and I feel like people should give fans more credit, especially performers. And, and I think they perhaps understood the, the monster they think I am. <laughs> so, you know, by the, by night two, you know, 48 hours of seeing me, they, they start to strip away the meaningless details. And they're like, well, you know, there's reasons why we have always wanted to support them. So they kind of let their guard down a little bit, but I would have had more fun if they were more, rowdy like they were on night one but that's okay i mean it's 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 good either way no is that something that you prefer is to be hated by the fans i don't know that i have a preference but um as a performer who's like my natural role and position as a performer is is like a leader in the ring and that that's not because of being good or bad or anything like that i think if people misunderstand that when they say like if you're like a ring general or if you're like the quarterback so to speak in a match i think a lot of fans maybe like read that weirdly like they think like only the best people would do that and that's not necessarily the case you know like you have a football team for example the quarterback isn't necessarily better than the hall of fame wide receiver but somebody needs to throw the ball you know Mm-hmm. And, and that just happens to be what that guy's good at is playing quarterback doesn't mean that he's a better player. And, and maybe, I don't know, maybe I am a better performer or worse performer. I never think in those terms, but naturally in that role, it's just easier to be hated, I guess, because I could do more with that. And when you, when you're loved, it's a little bit harder to do, to do stuff with it. Um, I don't mind selling shirts, you know, but, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I can help, I can help myself and more people, other performers, when when it's like a lot of tension. All right, I wanted to so. jump over to uh, when you were you were uh, in Impact when you had the X Division title. That was during the pandemic for the most part, correct? Yes. Yeah. Now, how was it drawing off of nothing? Like, no, <laughs> no. So for, for me, it, that's pretty unnatural because i was brought up very like old schoolish i I came up well i mean a i'm old (laughs) i started in 1998 so i'm a i'm a 90s wrestler and and, uh i was brought up to kind of make your decisions in the ring i don't really i don't really game plan a whole lot before i get in there i read the crowd and that's that's to answer your previous question that's another reason why you know being a leader in the ring and and operating that way it's kind of like being a quarterback running the no huddle offense you know like you you read the defense you call the play march down the field you do it again and you're just constantly like making reads and doing it it's not like a set script so like that's how i was a performer and so to not have an audience to read in the building is is unnatural for me so that was one of the few times where i kind of operated a little bit more on like making a game plan and sticking to it and then just kind of guessing what what a home audience would feel as far as tempo and timing and stuff like that but i mean it was fine i don't i can i can do it i can 
I could play the game any way the guys want. So if, if the other guys felt more comfortable doing it that way, then I, I was fine with it. So how do you how do you respond when the crowds flip flop? Like, because you know how some crowds will now cheer the the bad guy or the heel, the person who's supposed to be getting heat, and they'll boo the baby face. Like, how do you go about that? Like, I, I've always wondered that. Like, how do you play off that when you when it goes against your instinct going into the match? Um. Well, I mean a good performer will get the sound they're looking for. You know, sometimes you just got to figure it out a little bit. Um, so I don't really worry about it usually. Cause I, I can, I can get what I need to get out of the instrument. Like, you know, I just got to play it for a few minutes and see, see what sounds it's making. Um, and, you know, if it just refuses, absolutely refuses to give me the sound I'm looking for and gives me another one, you know, there, there's, there's ways to use that and to use it properly to benefit everybody as a group. Um, and I, I usually can find a way that's not that hard. You know, I think it's just a, it's a patience thing. You know, a lot of performers, they get nervous or anxious and patient. They don't know themselves very well. So when they get into the ring at times, they kind of go into panic mode or fight or flight and they, they don't know what to do with themselves. So to speak, it's like the Ricky Bobby Talladega Nights thing. Like, I don't know what to do with my hands, like that sort of thing, you know? <laughs> um so i think a lot of times younger performers or in or i don't want to say inexperienced but less experienced performers sometimes they'll struggle with it because uh it feels like everything's happening super fast in their minds and so the i guess you know for me like being around so long and having so much experience in different places the game is a lot slower for me i could see things as they develop a little bit easier so you know i can take any reaction and make something work and if I'm not getting any reaction, I can create one and make it work. It, it's, it's not, you know, it just comes with time. Now, is that a lost art form being able to draw, being I, able to, it's kind of like freestyling within a match going. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I definitely think it's, it's a lost art guy. I mean, it's not beyond just a lost art. It's an abandoned art. I mean, guys just don't learn how to do that anymore. Um, a lot of times when guys, are going to perform with me um sometimes they go into it a little bit more anxious and nervous than normal because i don't i don't operate like like that it's it is it's a it's an art that isn't taught anymore so a lot of times guys don't understand how that's going to work or how it's going to go and then the second and third and fourth time they work with me it, it all they're super at ease because then they they understand like how how it goes but the first time it's like they, they like not having those answers and trying to trying to you know create your art that way it, it can be nerve-wracking for a lot of you know current and younger generation performers they just don't learn they just don't learn that way anymore you know you would think of a generation that like loves Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels they would understand that because those guys always fed off of the crowd I mean there's there's a certain elements of that that still exists like it's not totally like you know abandoning the crowd but there's a certain there's a certain uh, philosophy and and way about it that um that used to be purely that i mean you just it, it it's it's derived completely from that that's how i was taught um and so you know, so some of it is uh, but a lot of them don't know how to manufacture something um in that way and that's what makes <laughs> i think that's what makes some guys uncomfortable or more comfortable than others because they, they don't 
like I said, it's like, I don't know what to do with my hands, like that sort of thing. They, they kind of mm-hmm. feel like a little bit lost. They don't know how to adjust their speed. They get a little bit nervous, you know. Uh, so, and like we said before, you and um, Will Osprey have been teaming up. Does he have the same type uh, mindset going into the ring as you, like you said with that? Uh, I think Will is a little, he game plans a little bit more, I guess, if I could like uh, explain it he's got really good instincts as a performer he has better instincts than i think he thinks he has uh you know when from from my experiences with him sharing the ring and then you know being both together and against him like his perception is it he's smarter than he thinks he is um i think like he'll do something and and i'm like I almost want to pull him aside and be like, do you understand why this was brilliant? And like, cause he just, he didn't, he doesn't realize that it was a great, a great decision. <laughs> like maybe it's t- a timing or tempo change or something. Um, and then in some ways he is very new generation um, that it will game plan a lot and work off of a set menu that, that he has his mind and heart set on, but he has such incredible physical gifts that, he has such a high ratio of success like that like he he very rarely has to alter anything if he in performing in that way so yeah. most guys don't are not talented enough to to be able to do that and he's that's i think that's what makes him such a rare talent in my opinion do you think a lot of that has to go towards his time in japan where you're not really getting like a big loud reaction all the time it's more of like a a low clap like it's a lot more respectful over in japan those audiences now is he just more instinct instinctual because of that you think i think his instincts come about i mean definitely from being in new japan but like not maybe not necessarily because of the audiences more so because of uh he, like new japan is a stature of company that like naturally becoming as a young performer there's going to be guys that have been so seasoned and, and been around for a long time so i think some of it is him subconsciously learning off of the tempo of others and then starting to like absorb those same decision making and and, and sometimes he didn't maybe he doesn't even realize how smart he is you know um i think it's more to do with experience more than anything you know new japan is one of you know very 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 few places that you can go to and and will you'll get a crash course on being able to do all these things really fast in a place like that. Well, and TJ, I do want to uh, get your thoughts on what probably is the most popular thing in the last couple of days in professional wrestling is uh, the news about ring of honor. You spent some time in ring of honor and they're releasing all the contracts as of January 1st. Um, What are your thoughts on the company? And uh, I mean, and what, they're going through right now i mean it's tough i i was just telling um you know my my better half uh, aria blake she comes from the business um and uh you know we were <laughs> we were doting on our new son today because he's he's only two months old and he had a doctor's appointment and we we're talking about the ring of honor thing and, and just like the the consensus is always you know first and foremost you hate to see people lose their job you know Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't, I almost don't want to say lose their job because that's as if to say, like, it, it suggests that like people would be like destitute otherwise. I mean, these people didn't necessarily lose their jobs. They're all going to continue performing. Some will thrive maybe more so than they were. 
Um, but it's just to have such a jarring change in direction. You know, that's tough. I mean, like with WWE and myself, like I knew it was coming because I was sort of asking for it and, form and like forming it myself. And still that change in direction was jarring for me and I was prepared for it. So to be unprepared for it is, you know, first and foremost, you think of that. Um, and, you know, Ring of Honor, I, another thing that I would mentioned to her earlier, it's like, you, you, I feel like you always see Ring of Honor as one of those places that um, you always saw it continue to survive and, and grow. And you always, it's one of those places you always think its best days are still ahead of them. Always, always, always. And, uh, and so now it's like, you know, there's a level of uncertainty that I think they, you know, at least with Ring of Honor, you've never experienced before. You know, I, I've kind of gone through that with Impact. You know, they had their ups and downs and like they've had these radical changes in both directions. I mean, I've been there when they went from, you know, it's like a, a not, I don't want to say like a local company, but like a, a smaller company to all of a sudden it was, you know, Spike TV and Network TV every week and, and this big thing. And then I was there, you know, at a time when it went from that to like doing live TV and like arenas every week, like AEW it was like, you know, from 2000, what? I don't know, 12 to 2015, it was basically what AEW is now. Like they were doing live TVs and arenas, like 10,000 seat arenas, 5,000 seat arenas. And they were making big, like trying to make big waves. And then, you know, to see them kind of go through this whole restart and now the recent years they've been growing again. I guess it's, you wonder if that's like how that'll put Ring of Honor you know, where they'll be as far as that sort of timeline, because they've always been on one trajectory, you know, mm -hmm. going from a, a, a regional company to like sort of a, like the leader of the indie boom, so to speak, then, you know, to become this proper mainstream company under Sinclair, you just kind of wonder what the next step is. Like they've never had a pivot like this. So. Yeah. Now, I, was, go ahead, Joe. Now, is there anyone that, you've seen from that roster, if you were to put your scouting cap on that you would bring in to MLW or New Japan, like who would be that first pick? Like who's that one person you want to get in the ring with? Um, I, I mean, God, the easy answer is probably Gresham, right? You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Stylistically, maybe. Um, selfishly, uh, you know, I've, I've shared the ring with him before, so I, I you know, I, I know how good he really is. Um, and, and I know him, you know, personally, I, I think he's, he's a great guy. So, um, you know, he's one, um, there was, it seems like that their ring of honor was a company in recent years where they've had a larger influx of first time, like career springboard sort of guys, like pe that people didn't know. A lot of the peer division seemed to be like guys that, that, um, you know, were newer guys or just people that, that people didn't know, you know, like, I mean, I used to, uh, I like the catch point shirt, by the way. Um, Thank you. Cause I was going to say, you know, like Tracy Williams is, is a guy, for example, that like, um, you know, I, I've always enjoyed being around him, being in the ring with him and just watching, like hope, hoping for more from him. Um, I, I think there was a couple newer faces in the, in the peer division, their names escaped me. I feel bad uh, for that, but like, um, but you know, they, they were really good. So I think in, in that sort of way that I, I'd hope to see them land in some places where hopefully I can be able to get in the ring with them selfishly, because I feel like <laughs> they'll, they'll, they would benefit me and, and, you know, help me have some good performances. So. 
Yeah, and I, like you said, with that, with this uh, quote-unquote forbidden door open now, is there is there a world eventually where we might see TJ Perkins' interest in AEW? Or do you like where you're at, where you're able to kind of bounce back and forth with Impact and New Japan and stuff like that? I mean, I like where I'm at. I don't really have any bucket lists, um, so to speak. Uh, I mean, I've talked with the guys at AEW a little bit. A lot of them, are, you know, they're my friends, including people in the office. So, you know, the, it, that subject has been broached, but um, it's not something that is necessarily a goal of mine. Um, which isn't to say that it's not a good goal or a viable goal, because I know that's, that is a uh, thing for a lot of people. Like for the past, I don't know, what, 20 years, it was like, how WWE has to be the goal if you're, you know, you got into wrestling. And that's, there's a lot of validity to that. But for me, even over the last, you know, I've been wrestling 23 years now, and over the last 20 years or whatever, WWE was never my goal. Like I always wanted to go to New Japan and CMLL and do the things that I'm, that I'm doing, you know? Um, and so for this current generation, I feel like AEW is so strong and viable now that that's, that's like the new WWE goal for like young people or fans that start, you know, get into wrestling. Like, like you have to want AEW, right? And like, it's not, I feel the same way about that as, as I did about WWE. Like, it, I think it's great. And I, I understand the goal for most people. For me, it's, it's not necessarily a bucket list, but I'm sure I would enjoy it. They have a great roster their show's amazing a lot of the guys are friends of mine so i know i'd have a lot of fun they have a lot of guys and i'm sure they know what they want to do with it and to be honest they have too many you know and and it's i feel like you would run into the same as a performer you'd run into the same problems there as you would at wwe as far as volume you know it's it's tough um but i like what i'm doing now new japan's always going to be like my first home and uh and now having like returning to CMLL, which is another place that I, I call home and, and, and an early place for me. Um, working between those two companies is something that's very fulfilling for me right now. I, I couldn't ask for more than that. Now you just got back from Mexico, correct? Yeah, just a couple of days ago, yeah. Now, how long are those uh, trips usually? Oh, I mean, that's, it varies. Like, you know, the first time I went down there, you know, I, I worked for them when I had just turned 18 and I lived there for a year. And you wrestle every day, I mean, six, seven days a week. Um, and this trip, because I have to still split time with New Japan and, and MLW and stuff like that, uh, to be honest, impact my impact schedule is thinned out because of so much stuff that's on my menu. So, um, you know, this trip happened to be just uh, half a week. And I think maybe at future trips might be a week, two weeks, but um, it'll vary. It depends on you know, what your situation is. Some guys may go down there and they, a lot of guys that you see it, sometimes guys will love it so much they never come back. And then they, they end up making a, a career there. They stay eight years and then they come back and sort of retire, so. So TJ, before we let you go, I have one question that I, I'd like to ask um, wrestlers and performers. And that's, if you have one, that is, what is the like one piece of advice that, helps you day in day out inside outside the ring in the professional wrestling business um it's an old saying and, and uh, older wrestlers probably laugh at it because it's like kind of cliche and sort of like a it's just an old saying uh but uh in in wrestling anyway it's an old saying and the the, the saying goes the only thing that's real is the money and the miles 
And I just think there's no greater one sentence, like sort of like proverb, I guess, you know, that uh, sums up. It's such an important life lesson, not just for wrestling, you know, like at the end of the day, like you're taking care of your family and the cost of which is what you're weighing it against. And, and by that, you know, it would be like, you know, where you would say the miles, like the miles you put on your body, the miles you put on your family's emotional you know, and well-being and all that, like, is, is the, uh, is whatever you're doing worth the benefit. And so, you know, it, it keeps you grounded, you know, like a lot of people, not just in wrestling, but in real life, they get wrapped up in things that just simply don't matter. You know, they're glued to their Facebooks or TikToks or social medias and just things. And they're worried about things that are superficial and just don't matter. At the end of the day, you, you got to wake up and go to bed and the same household and you're taking care of your loved ones and spending your life that way and you only got one life and it's not that long you know like worry about what you can make and save and contribute to them and how you take care of them and try not to put too many miles on yourself and them in the process you know i think that's great advice for a wrestler and i think that's great life advice wow we went deep to end the show i like it <laughs> <laughs> so uh TJ, thanks so much for taking the time, being on with us, talking with us. It was great talking to you. And uh, we can't wait to see you on our TVs and uh, all the promotions that you're uh, going to, we'll be seeing you at soon. Well, thank you very much for having me, guys. Uh, it's been a pleasure and I'd love to do it anytime. All right. Thanks so much. Thank, thank you. Have a great night.